Well, if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. A number of years ago, I was pastoring a small church out in the country, and I, I was in my study on a Wednesday night. We were preparing for Wednesday night activities, and I was in my study, and a little boy just came walking into my study. He was probably about third grade. And he stopped right in the middle of my study and he just looked around. He said, preacher, you sure do have a lot of books. And I said, yeah, I do. I'm very grateful. And he said, well, why do you have so many books? I said, well, I, they just kind of helped me learn about God. And he said, why don't you just read the Bible? So I, I, would, I would like to pose that question today, and, and especially today as we begin a new year and many of us are thinking about resolutions and commitments that we need to make. I just want to ask the question, why don't we just read our Bibles? Why don't we just read our Bibles? A recent study from Lifeway found that of People who attend Protestant churches, only 32% of them read their Bibles every day. Another 27% say they read their Bibles occasionally during the week, which means of people who are attending Protestant churches, there's about 40% who rarely, if ever, read their Bibles. Several months ago, Pastor Josh was talking about the desire to see God do great things in our church. And, and he made a really important statement. It was that typically we see God do great things when everybody does the little things to which they've been called. There's a lot of truth in that. And I think when, when we think about us as a corporate entity, we think about us as Prince Avenue Baptist Church, we want to be a, a growing, healthy church. But we're not going to be a healthy, growing church unless we are made up of healthy, growing believers. And, and we're not going to be healthy, growing believers unless we're spending time in God's Word. Here's the truth. Spiritual growth comes from God. We, we don't manufacture spiritual maturity. God works in us that which is pleasing to him and according to his purpose. But the Bible makes it very clear that, that God works through particular means to accomplish his purposes. He, he uses means to bless us and grow us and primarily the means that God uses to produce spiritual growth and health is the Bible. So, so today, as, as we look ahead to 2023, I just want to very simply encourage you and challenge you with really three words. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. So this is what we want to do. We want to look at Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verses 
44 through 47. And, and what we're going to do is go backwards. That may seem a little odd, but first we're going to look at verse 47 because verse 47 is going to give us the character of God's word. It's going to give us the value of the Bible. It's going to, so it's going to motivate us to make a commitment because we, we don't want to just say, well, I'm going to do a religious activity because I need to check a box or I want to read my Bible because the preacher said I need to do this. We, we want to ask, well, why should we do this? What motivates us? What's the value of this? And, and we're going to see that in verse 47. And then we're going to back up to verse 46, which is going to give us the, the call of God, the commitment to the word that God desires for our hearts. So let's Let's begin reading in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 44. Moses came and recited all the words of this song in the hearing of the people, he and Joshua, the son of Nun. And when Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, he said to them, take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today that you may command them to your children and that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. So the story of the Exodus is filled with demonstrations of supernatural power and, and the unwavering faithfulness of God as he delivered the people of Israel from Egypt to the promised land. But it's also a story filled with fear and faithlessness on the part of the people whose refusal to believe the word of God caused them to spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And, and now they're back they're back on the precipice of, of entering the land and, and taking the land and settling the land. And, and Moses is about to die. And so he's giving in Deuteronomy what is essentially a farewell address. These are his final words. And he restates the law of God that was given at Mount Sinai. That's why we call the book Deuteronomy. That means the second law. It's not a second set of laws. It's the repetition of the law that God gave in Exodus. And then having laid out the law of God, he sings a song, which I'm not going to do. But he, he sings a song about the history of the Israelites. And, and then when he's finished, when he has laid out all the law of God, and when he has sung this song describing the history of God's work among the Hebrews, then he instructs them on how they are to respond to everything that he has said. And that's in verse 46. So we'll get there in just a minute. But first, let's think about the motivation, why Moses says this is important in verse 47. And I want us to note three characteristics of God's word from verse 47. So first of all, we see that God's word is effective. God's word is effective. Notice that Moses said, it is not an empty word. That word empty, it means something that's futile. It means it's something that's vain or worthless, something that is insignificant. And so Moses puts a knot before that. And so he's saying God's word is, is not insignificant. That is to say, it accomplishes its purpose to hear, to read, 
to obey the word of God is not wasted time. It is not something that is insignificant. So think with me for a minute about what God says that he uses his word to accomplish. Here are a few things. God uses his word to, to birth us. In 1 Peter 1.23, Peter says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. God uses his word to grant our faith, right? Romans 10.17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. God uses his word to grow our faith. 1 Peter 2, 2, like newborn babes long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. God uses his word to equip us to serve. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be thoroughly furnished, equipped unto every good work. God uses his word to give us stability and fruitfulness. David said in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law he meditates day and night. For he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers that bringeth forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf will not wither, and everything it does will prosper." God uses his word to sustain us. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, we, we receive life. The word of God is the life that he gives us. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God uses his word to protect us. Psalm 119, verse 9, how shall a young man guard his way? By taking heed to the word of God. God uses his word to guide us. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God uses his word to give us hope. Romans 15, 4, whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of scripture, we might have hope. Well, I don't, I don't want to be any more tedious, but I think you get the picture. I, I could go on and on and on with this, but, but hopefully we get it. God uses his word to accomplish his purposes. And that's what all of these verses are expressing. And so here's what Moses is saying. When God uses his word to accomplish his, his purposes, when God uses his word to do what he says he will do, it will be accomplished. It won't be insignificant. It won't be vain or empty. This is exactly what God said in Isaiah chapter 55 in verse 10. God says, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it, for, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty. It shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it forth. Now the word that God uses in Hebrew 55, Hebrews in Isaiah 55, 11 is the same word that Moses used in, verses, in verse 47 of Deuteronomy 32. It, it is that sense of vanity. God says, my word does not return to me in a vain way, in a futile way, without accomplishment, but rather it does the purpose for which I sent it. 
One of the first times that Beverly and I went to visit our daughter in India, we were still doing the tourist stuff. This was probably the first or second time we had visited there. So we were out one day doing tourist stuff. And um, I, I don't want to offend anybody when I say this, but I, I really don't like Indian food. And so after, can I get amen? <laughs> after... After, after about three days of, of being in India, I, I've got to find a McDonald's. And um, so we, we were out looking at tourist stuff, and I said to, I said to Lydia, hey, is, is there a McDonald's anywhere nearby we could go to McDonald's? And she said, yeah, there's, there's a mall about 15 minutes from here, and there's a McDonald's there. So I said, let's, let's go to that mall. So we, we got a cab. These are, these are motorcycles. They're tricycles. With a, it's a motorcycle with a bench across the back, room for about three people that's covered, and it's like a taxi cab. They call it an auto. So we got an auto. We piled in. I'm a big guy, you know, so I'm, I'm written here. The meter is right in front of me. Now, an Indian rupee is 80 to 1 to the U.S. dollar. So that'll, that'll mess with your mind psychologically. You know what I'm saying? So, so we get in this auto and we start going and, and Lydia and Beverly are just talking away. You know, mother, daughter, they're looking at stuff. I'm looking at the meter and that thing's just churning. And, and it's up into the hundreds. You know, it's like churning over hundreds. And I'm like, this is messing with my mind. I'm thinking, how much money do I have? I'm thinking, are we going to find McDonald's? So we'd ridden for 20 minutes. And I, I said, Lydia, you said it was 15 minutes from here. And she said, oh, yeah, we're, we're real close. It's okay. We're, we're okay. Don't worry about it. Goes back to talking. Go back to looking at the meter. So we, we rode for another 10 minutes. And I said, Lydia, we've been going for 30 minutes. Where, where is this mall? Does this guy know where we're going? So she talked to him. And she said, oh, yeah, he knows where he's going. Don't worry about it. So we, we rode another 15 minutes. I said, Lydia, we've been going 45 minutes. And this, this, we're up over 1,000, whatever this is. And um, so five minutes later, we pull up to the mall. She says, so, see, we made it. And I'm like, yeah, 50 minutes and 1,600 rupees later, we're here. So we got out, and Lydia does this. We're at the wrong mall. <laughs> like, you're kidding me. All that time and all that money wasted. We didn't get where we wanted to go. Now, that's a negative illustration of the positive character of God's word. There will never be a time when you read or hear the word that it will be wasted or insignificant time. God's word will always take you spiritually where you need to go. God's word is effective it's not empty. It's not insignificant. Now, secondly, Moses tells us not only is God's word effective, God's word is also energizing. Moses says, it is your life. Now, we remember that from Matthew chapter 4. That's the occasion where Matthew recorded the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus had been in the wilderness for 40 days. He had not eaten. And the devil came to him to tempt him. And the first temptation was, hey, Jesus, if you're the son of God, why don't you turn these stones to bread? And Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He, here's the full context of that verse. 
And God humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So the context of that, of that verse that Jesus quoted was the people of God remembering when they were in the wilderness and remembering how God had provided manna from heaven. And so that, that miracle that was a physical reality actually had a, a spiritual component. It had a spiritual meaning. So God was teaching them, if you have physical hunger, then you need to look to the Lord alone for provision and see that he will give you everything that you need to live. So the people are out in the wilderness. They need food. Without the manna, they're going to die. And what does God do? God provides them what they need for their physical life. So now Moses is saying, you remember that. And understand, this is what God wants you to know. That if you're hungry spiritually, then you look to the Lord alone and realize that he will give you what you need to sustain your spiritual life and he'll do it through his word. And so the Hebrews think we're out in the wilderness and without the word of God, we're gonna die. But every day, God faithfully provided his word and gave them spiritual life. So they learned to depend upon God's word every single day. So what Moses is saying to them is, listen, all of life depends on God's provision. And he provides spiritually through his word. The word of God is what energizes our spiritual life. So a man without food is going to starve physically. A man without the Bible is going to starve spiritually because the word is the source and the sustenance of spiritual life. This is reiterated in the New Testament. Listen to what Paul wrote to the, to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5, excuse me, verse 13 of chapter 2. And we also thank God constantly for this. That when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it really is the word of God, which is at work in you believers. The writer of Hebrews said this in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, the word that Paul uses that is translated working, the word of God is working in you. The word that the writer of Hebrews uses for active, the word of God is active, is the same word. And the word is the word from which we get the English word energy. So it is life-giving. It is life-giving. It is the sustenance of spiritual life. So without the word, there is no life. But with the word, there is the energy of life because there's life itself. So as you need bread for the body, you need the Bible for the soul. The word of God is energizing. Thirdly, Moses tells us the word of God is enduring. He says, by the word, you will live long in the land. Now, this is, this is not merely a promise of a long life. It is actually a statement that however long your life is, 
It will be undergirded and supported and sustained by the word of God because the flower fails, the grass withers, but the word of God endures forever. So as the Israelites move into Canaan, as they face their enemies, as they settle the land, as they become a nation, it is the word of God that will always be there to show them the path of blessing and to enable them to live as God's people. It is the word of God that will teach them about God, about his will, about his promises, about his commands for all of their life as long as they live. When they go to the word, they will find God's plan for forgiveness, God's plan for direction and blessing and purpose. They'll learn to experience God's presence. They'll learn to enjoy God's presence. They'll learn to expand God's presence because the Bible is not simply a, a collection of children's stories to teach us moral lessons. It is the record of the unfolding plan of God to bring redemption into the world. It is not merely a record of how life was lived thousands of years ago. It is God's everlasting, ever relevant record of who he is and who we are in light of him. It is not simply a collection of, of Hebrew stories. It is God's path of blessing. It's not simply a get up in the morning and give me an inspirational thought to help me get through a hard day. It is the eternal word of the eternal God that is effective and energizing and eternally enduring the word for you today and tomorrow and every day, not just for church life, but for all of life, not just for your life, but your children's life and your grandchildren's life. Because as David said in Psalm 119 verse 89, your word, O Lord, is everlasting. It is firmly fixed in the heavens. Now Moses wants you to see this. He wants you to understand, I'm, I'm not just giving you a random command. I want you to see the value of this. I want you to see the significance of this. Because if you'll see the value and the significance of this, that God's word is effective, it is accomplishing spiritual growth, that it is energizing, it's nourishing your spiritual life, that it is enduring, it's providing spiritual blessing. If you'll see that significance, if you'll see that value, then you'll know how to respond. So, so how do we respond? Well, let's go back to verse 46. Here's how we respond. Moses says, take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. So how do we respond to the significance and the value of God's word? Well, we take it in and we talk about it. We take it in and we teach it. We commit it and we communicate it. That's what he says. He says, so first of all, I want you to take it. Take it to heart. The word that he uses there for take is a word that means to place something in its proper position. To, to direct attention to something and to put it in its proper position. Okay, so when I was engaged to, to my lovely wife, she wasn't my wife when I got engaged to her, but we were in that process. So when I got engaged to my, my lovely wife, what I did was I, I set my heart upon her. I took her to myself. What I essentially said was, I, I'm giving you the proper place. 
You among all the women in the world who desperately want me to marry them. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> Actually, it's you're the only one left. So would you please? I'm saying I, I'm putting you in the place that you deserve. I'm putting you in the, in the place of giving you the attention of, of being my wife. The, the King James Version sometimes translate this consecrate. And, and you may have heard someone preaching, or you may have read in an older version of the Bible, consecrate yourself to the Lord or consecrate the Lord to your heart. That, that's saying, give the Lord the attention that he deserves. Put him in the proper place. So that's what Moses is saying about the word of God. Place it in its proper position. But this, this also has a sense of urgency. This is a word that would be used to describe a, a starving man who's been given food. What is he going to do? He, he's not just going to sit and contemplate whether or not he likes it or what the other options are. If he's starving, he sees food, he's going to take it in. He's going to grab it. He's going to seize the moment. So then he says, do this in your inner man. That's your mind, your will, your soul, your understanding. The totality of your being, what Moses is emphasizing, is to prioritize God's word in all of your life. This is what he's saying to us today. Give yourself to the word of God. See the value of it then set it in its proper place, and then seize opportunities to take it in. Now, I want to go back to the beginning of chapter 32. Here's a, here's a beautiful illustration of, of this at the beginning of Deuteronomy chapter 32. And uh, listen to how Moses begins his song in verse 1. He says, Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, like gentle rain upon the tender grass and like showers upon the herb. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord and ascribe greatness to our God. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Moses is saying, let the word of God settle on your life like the dew on a hot summer day. Let it just cover and saturate. Let, let the word of God be like a gentle rain in the spring that's falling on the fields that doesn't run off. It comes down and it saturates the soil and it does its work. Let God's word settle on you. Now, I, I know we've got a, a vast array of, of people in here. We, we've got we've got some children in here. So if you're, if you're a child and you're asleep, wake up real quick. You know, when I, was, when I was little, we used to sing this song. I'm not going to sing it because I don't want you to leave just yet. We used to sing this song, read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And you'll grow, 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 and you'll grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Now, listen, children, uh, I, I'm, I'm not Pastor Cody. I'm the senior adult pastor, but if you live long enough, you'll get to me. <laughs> but, but listen this morning. Listen to me this morning. Children, children, there's, there's, there's nothing more important for you to read than your Bible. And, and, and begin that now. De develop 
develop a, a sense of, of real awe in God that says, I, I want to get to know this God who made me. And, and, and you'll discover him in, in the pages of Scripture. I, we've got a lot of students. I'm, I'm so thankful for, for students that got up on uh, January the 1st. That's pretty awesome. I'm glad y'all are here. And I, I know y'all are kind of in learning mode. And, and, and I know that, um, you know, the Bible says the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So that means that, that really God is the foundation of all knowledge and all knowledge should point us to God. When, when we look at creation, when we study creation, we learn about God. That's what, that's what Paul says in Romans 1. Okay? Paul says in Romans 1, there's no such thing as an honest atheist. Because Paul says there is no such thing as a person who can look at creation and deny that there's a creator. Can't do it. Can't do it. So I know you study, when you study math, you're, you're learning that God is a God of order. When, you, when you're studying science, you're learning that God is creative. When you're, you're studying language, you're learning that God communicates. When you're studying history, you're learning that, that God is sovereign. But, but all, of that, all of that is good. But all of that is helping you to learn about God. And God wants you to learn about him. He wants to be foundational to all your learning. But he wants you to know more than about him. He wants you to know him. And you're going to know God by spending time in his word. And, and I know that, I know high school is, is busy. I know that yeah, there's, there's athletics and fine arts and academics. And all those things are great. My kids did all of those things. Um, I didn't, um, especially the academics. But um, I know those things are important. And, and it's important to do your best at those things as unto the Lord. So, but parents and, and teachers, forgive me for saying this, but all those things are temporary. They're temporary. Your relationship with God is eternal. It's eternal. And there's nothing more important than your relationship with God. And, and you're not going to grow up and mature in a knowledge and understanding and a relationship with God unless you're spending time in the Bible. Well, what about us adults? I know life is busy. I've been there. I've been at that time in my life where I just felt like I was a taxi driver who didn't get paid. I get that. I know you have to work and I know, I know we have to invest time in being better at our, our job. I understand that. We're called by God to support our families. I know it's important to spend time with our kids. It's important to be at home. It's important to have hobbies. You know what? All those things are valuable, but ultimately they're valuable within the context of a relationship with God. And without a relationship with God, even those things that are valuable lose their ultimate value. And so the most important thing that you can do is to develop your relationship with God. So is it, is it not significant enough that you can get up 15 minutes early? I mean, is it, and I'm not saying this to put you on a guilt trip. I'm, I'm saying that think about what God is going to do in your life through his word. Is that is, is that not worth turning off the television and going to bed a few minutes early? 
I mean, what's really significant? Moses says the word of God is effective and energizing and enduring. So I've just, I really want to set this before you today. And look there, let's, let's just be practical for just a minute. Um, there are reading plans out here, out in, in, the, in the foyer, atrium, whatever we call it. And um, this, this one I picked up is through the New Testament. This is reading one chapter a day, Monday through Friday. I do this at night. It takes me like five or 10 minutes sitting in my bed to read one chapter. Now I do more than that. I do more in the morning, but I just like to get the general scope of scripture. So I read this at night before I go to bed, five to 10 minutes. Seriously, now some chapters are long. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 15 is really long. Okay, 12 minutes. I mean, 2 John is like 10 verses. So I, I just want to encourage you. There's a plan that will go all the way through the Bible. If you have more time, excuse me. If you go all the way through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you, you have to read more, obviously. The New Testament plan is one chapter a week. And then as Pastor Josh has said, read that chapter and then just take a moment to think about it. And think about what? Well, let me just give you five G's since we're excited about Georgia today. Um, think about God. Wow, what a novel idea. Read God's word and think about God. Think about the gospel. Think about what God has done to save you. Think about gratitude. Is there something in this passage for which I need to be thankful? Think about grievance. Is there, is there something in this passage that, that I know I've sinned and I need to confess it? Think about governance. Is there something in this passage that God wants me to do? Well, Unfortunately, sometimes we just read a chapter and we just skip right to governance and we just say, What's, what do I need to do? I'm going to get up and do this. And we never do it because the, the foundation of obedience is the goodness of God and the glory of the gospel. So don't just, don't just read a passage and say, what do I have to do? Read a passage and think about God. Think about the gospel. What does this teach me about how I can be grateful and just take some time to think about God's word. Take God's word and give it the place of significance that it deserves in your life and that you need in your life. I'm pleading with you today. This is the beginning of a new year and there's nothing we can do this year that will enhance our spiritual growth more than making a commitment to be students of God's word. So we take it and then we, we teach it. We teach it. We share it. So, so parents, you, you would never dream, thank God, you would never dream of not providing for your kids physical and intellectual and emotional and social needs. Thank God for that. That's a serious calling. But, but do we realize that there's nothing more significant than our children's walk with Jesus? And, and, and we, would, we would willingly get up and take our kid to six o'clock ball practice because we want them to be good at that. We, we understand that's important to practice and we'll do that. We willingly let them stay up to study. We encourage them. Sometimes we even insist that they study and do their homework because we want them to learn. But do we ever take time to sit with them around the table and just read God's word? Do we, 
Do we say to our children, listen, I'm, I'm proud of you for what you're doing academically and athletically and in fine arts, and I, I'm supporting that, but, but man, I want to encourage you to be in God's word because that's where you're going to find life. But this is, this is not just parents. I think this is, this is all of us. This is friends. You know, if, if I want to be a good friend to someone, that means that I, I want to be there for them. It means I want to encourage them in their life. It means I want to help them make good decisions. Well, am I being a really good friend if I'm never directing them to the Word of God, if I'm never challenging them to be in the Word of God? What Moses is saying is, if it's valuable to have, then it's valuable to share. So he says, commit it to your life and communicate it to others. Set it in your life and share it with others. Breathe it in and breathe it out. It is the path of blessing and life for you and for all of those in your network. So that's what I want to challenge you today. To take one of these reading plans. Commit to the word of God. On December the 17th, um, the Bulldogs won the national championship. It's pretty exciting. The Ferris State Bulldogs in Division Two. <laughs> they really did. They defeated a school called the Colorado School of Mining. That was a Division Two championship. I, I get a kick out of looking at nicknames. You know what the nickname of the Colorado School of Mining is? The Ore Diggers. Is that not fabulous? It's like, I don't know how you cheer for that. Let's go, ore diggers. But I, I, was, I was reading about that game last week, and I thought, that's what we're doing, isn't it? We're like, we're digging for gold and silver in God's word. In fact, this is what David says in Psalm 19. He says that God's word is more valuable than gold or silver. It's sweeter than the finest honeycomb. So I want to encourage us this year, let's be ore diggers. Let's get in the word and let's ask God to show us spiritual gold and silver that will make us wealthy spiritually, that will mature us and grow us to be the people that God has called us to be. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing and, and we are going to have a time of response uh, I think the response is pretty obvious, isn't it? Um, you don't necessarily have to come here to respond. But I, I want to ask everybody in this congregation to respond affirmatively to this. Will you give the Bible the place of significance that it deserves? And if you need to come and share, if you have another decision that you need to share, we'll have counselors here and folks who will pray for you. But let's respond to God's word with a commitment to God's word. Stand with me and we're gonna pray and then we will sing.